This is Joshua Bell's Kilt in the Cloth Bible Study on Tuesday morning as we continue the Gospel of Matthew. Today we are starting in chapter 6, verses uh, 16, <clears throat> as we continue with the Sermon on the Mount. And we are now in the section of uh, a new act of justice, um, which, is, which is fasting. So I want to talk a little bit about fasting before, before we get into this. I like it better when I first looked at this. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I just glanced down. Mine said frosting. Oh, frosting. Frosting's lots better than fasting. Yeah, concerning <laughs> frosting. Yeah, that would be much better than fasting. Uh, so, so fasting is a um, is a deep ritual. Uh, it's a deep tradition in, in a lot of cultures. Um, the objective, I mean, like if you look at all of our ancient church fathers, uh, uh, all the way from St. Francis to Jerome, um, uh, Thomas Aquinas, all of them, fasting is a part of their history. Like, and, and then even, even in, the, in the New Testament, you know, Jesus and John the Baptist go into the wilderness to fast. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, there's fasting. This, this is a religious, ritualistic practice that is extremely in, important. Um, problem with it is, in the same way that we struggle with the understanding of fasting, they were struggling with it in the first century. Fasting is, you're already starving. I mean, I, I want to start there. Us, we, 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 borrowed, we have an abundance. We're not starving. <clears throat> All of these people in the first century were, you know, basically living on subsistence health. So they, they barely had any food. Um, and, then, and then they're supposed to fast. I mean, I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, then you're supposed to starve yourself further. Uh, so by the time Jesus comes, there's this crazy conversation about doing these things just to do them um, as a society rather than for divine approval. Uh, Dr. Carter specifically talks is. Uh, that whenever you fast, it's a traditional Jewish religious practice that associated with benefits such as atoning for sin or healing diseases or casting out demons. Um, these, the, there's a criticism of the fasting when it's separated from doing justice. In this particular passage, uh, he wants you to look at it in the sense of do not be like the hypocrites, right? Like there's a there's evidently a group of people there that they are seeing that are doing it specifically to get societal approval rather than divine approval. Um, you know, it's like we just talked with the alms giving, give with your left hand so the right hand doesn't know what you've given. That's do not be like the hypocrites, right? Or when you pray, you know, you pray this way. Uh, there's obviously a group of people, aka the Sanhedrin and those that are in power. Uh, that Rome has appointed, not that I'm bitter, um, that are, are telling them, look at how great we are at all of the religious practices we are doing. And we are so good that we can fast fully while you little uh, piddly peasant people can't, even though you barely are su surviving with what the scraps that we give you. Um, so this is, this is a big passage. <clears throat> There's another thing that happened, which we don't really, we have, we have some sociological uh, evidence that there was 
a group of people in the first century that were very, uh, I don't, for lack of a better phrase, I'd say very, really Greek. Greek started, you know, even using uh, makeup and stuff in their uh, dramas and their theaters and tragedies and things that nature. So there was a group of people that were physically acting that they were in pain. Like that was that was something to be behold. Oh, I'm fasting. I'm I'm so so sad. So so even even Jesus is saying, look, when you do this, do not do this to your faces. Um, and then he's going to keep going. <clears throat> so from from verses 16 to 18, this third act of justice, so this focus in on fasting, and then verses 19 to 34 of sixth uh, are literally the battle between justice and materialism. Um, and, and, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Um, I, I just had one more thing about to say about fasting before I go on. So uh, notice that he also doesn't say when you're supposed to fast. It starts off whenever you fast, do these things. Uh, there was moments for fasting throughout the whole year. If you go to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there's multiple reasons to fast. It's not just for Pesach or for Passover. Um, it was, there were multiple times. A family member dies, you fasted. Um, you, uh, th there were things that took place in your life uh, that you fasted for. And I like to say, and, I, and I'm, I, I think it's just me saying this, probably not my professors, but I would say that <clears throat> the goal of fasting for me and my understanding of it was that in that moment, I'm to fully rely upon God to give me what I need. So if I if I need food, right, God will would provide it. I don't seek it out. I don't I don't bring it to me. Um, so if you're fasting and I bring you a hamburger, it's okay. But you're a human, <laughs> right? I, I can be a vessel of God. I mean, you could be a vessel of God. <clears throat> I think I think it makes more sense. Uh, it's a true question, though. Like this is the argument that they're having. Well, what if I bring you food? Well, John the Baptist makes it really clear. That's why he goes out into the wilderness and he only eats what he can find, locusts and wild honey, right? That I mean, it, it makes it, those are things that no human has touched. Um, those, those are things that only God has brought life into. That's, that helps me understand that. Um, I do find it fascinating that in most cultures, that in the moments of people's pain and sorrow, when they're grieving, what do we do? We, 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 we theoretically take them food. Uh, our culture has kind of shifted away from some of that for, for fear or for whatever reasons. But in a lot of senses, that's what, that's what we've always done. Um, so it's, it's an interesting conversation uh, about right before we get into the justice and materialism. And I wanted to start off that conversation because notice that last week we went from giving to prayer to religious practice. These are different. Prayer is not the same as fasting. Some would say, well, I'm fasting while I pray. <laughs> okay. If you or, pray for days. <laughs> if you pray for days. Well, uh, what if I pray while I'm fasting? Well, we'd hope you were doing that in the first place. Like, that's the whole point. Um, so question. Yeah. <clears throat> Jesus fasted for 40 days. Uh, John, John the Baptist was in the wilderness for, for, for 
a long time to be on floats and honey. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that would be a normal fasting time. It's not. No. So it's not a normal amount of time. Like, I mean, they're already starving. So they know 40 days, someone's going to die. Um, which to me makes more evidence to say that I'm only going to eat what God provides. Locusts, wild honey, um, fish, water. You know, those, those are things that God provided. So it's not like they went without food. <clears throat> I mean, and I, and we have, we have archeological evidence that some did, like they starved themselves like that, that we know that happened, but. Um, what about a corporate fast? Yeah. So that there's a, there's a, a thing that happens with the collective entities, right? Like the whole synagogue should be fasting, mm -hmm. right? Um, we have, we have some evidence that they did that but not a whole lot. Um, interestingly enough, you see that practice happening more when Catholicism really kind of takes off, especially during Lent. Uh, they don't eat meat on Fridays. Um, they have rules about what you're supposed to eat. Interestingly enough, they were the ones that were totally opposed to the kosher dietary laws. But then when they established themselves as a, a movement, they created their own dietary laws. Can't eat meat, but you can have fish. You know, like there's these, these things. But we do that. The culture will always do that, no matter where we are historically um, when it comes to religious practices. They will change. Um, okay, any other questions? It's a big topic. I just didn't want to read it in two verses and go, oh, okay, we're moving on. No, it's... Well, fasting to me is, I mean, as I know congregations do it, but me personally is a very personal thing. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't involve anyone but me and God. Right. And and, and is that okay? I yes. mean, okay. Yeah, I think that's what John the Baptist himself is doing. Jesus goes to fast by himself. We, we don't have any evidence that the disciples went with him. And when you totally rely on God for your substance, I guess. Yeah. You're never closer to him, I think, than than that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's in my case. I don't do it a lot, but I have. Yeah, I I think that I think that's evidence. Okay. Yeah. So, how long do you have to go before you call it fasting? One day, a week, just. I I, I think that's the struggle that Jesus is pointing out. If you're going to fast, don't do it like these people. If you fast, let's do it. Let's try to do it this way. And he doesn't give you a time, right? So that's part of the struggle that we have. Uh, in the only book that we really have that says, okay, as the church began, these are the things they did is the book of Acts, right? As a cultural practice, baptism becomes corporate. Everybody gets baptized. During Jesus's time, we don't have any evidence of that. Um, Paul comes he finds out that john the baptist followers were still being baptized so we find out that he's being asked to baptize people but he doesn't really care about it he does it but you you when you read about it like specifically in philippians he's like and then they wanted me to baptize him so i did but and then he goes on <clears throat> um you know so there's there's an interesting dialogue that takes place as to how long these things happen and they don't give us the time how long you're supposed to fast. Um, so I, I think it's a it's a good question for us to ask. And and I think it's 
why I wanted to spend some time on this this morning. So I still have some Catholic friends who don't, but I know some of my family that don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. So they say they're fasting from meat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> fasting. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I guess that was going to be one of my questions. If, if fasting only revolves around eating, you know, or I mean, is it simply giving up something that that you need to live? I mean, I, I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not. This Did is fast by something other than food. Yeah, I mean, because and, and forgive my ignorance here, but you know, in the back of my mind, you know, what are you going to give up for Lent? Yeah, it, it, it gets it gets specific. Not everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think biblically. Now, this is why I'm being specific on it. I think biblically, it's all or nothing. I think as a culture, however, we found out that that's dangerous. But the people in the first century, they were already starving. They didn't have much to give up. And and you'd already when you was talking about fasting, my brain instantly went to hunger strikes. Exactly. It's it's proven twenty one days thereabouts without liquid, yep. twenty eight without food, and that's it. Yep. I mean, you know, there there's very little leeway either direction. No. Nope. And bad things happen before you get to where you die. That's I right. Mean, things shut down that don't come back. But that's right. So. I mean, so that's why I have problems with the 40 days. Make sense? But remember, 40 days in the New Testament is the same as it is in the Hebrew Bible. It's a time. It's a really long time. I don't want to, I don't want to minimize the amount of time, but that's just a way to say a really long time. You could live on locusts and honey for 40 days. So sure you could. Fine things to eat. I think the problem with today's society and fasting is. Uh, and, and there's lots of people who probably have been through the, I will lose 10 pounds in the next month and go fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yes. and, and total Nothing wrong religious reasons about for it. doing anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I think, and this is, I saw, I started seeing it happen a lot more uh, in the early 90s um, when you started seeing youth groups specifically talking about fasting. When World Vision came and started talking about us raising money for food for, for people in Haiti. The whole youth group would do a 30-hour famine, and all of us would do this, and we would take a fast for 30 hours. Now, the part that was really, it didn't confuse me until later, but the juxtaposition of that is, so for 30 hours, the kids don't eat anything, but there's lots of water. Uh, at the end of the 30 hours, the church people would come in and make this gigantic feast for the kids to celebrate. And we missed the whole point, right? Like that's not the point of the fast. The point was to say like a hunger strike, there are kids like us in another place on the other side of the world that are starving, but we're gonna celebrate it with all you can eat omelets, you know, or pancakes. And, and, I, and I participated in that. So uh, I, I don't have anyone to blame but myself. But again, you can see why this is a big topic and it's only two verses. Well. Technically three. Um, and I, and I, there's this hypocrite thing that I, I want to get to, but we, we definitely got to get going because I want to I get through a lot of chapter six today. One quick one, just 
hit on oil when you get there. On oil? Well, you explain the water. Oh, the anointing oil? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll definitely talk about that. ring goes completely different than <clears throat> what I think you're trying to say. Yeah, no problem. So here we are, chapter 6, verse 16. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. This is that <laughs> Greek tragedy stuff I was talking about. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So the question about oil, uh, Robert, is, is a religious practice that if God sees us, there is a, a divining rod by anointing oil. Um, okay, that's a, where I went. But the yeah. washing your face seemed to go back to what you just remove the makeup. That's right. right. Remove the makeup, get baptized. Like that's this kind of idea to be to be clean before God. And then the oil is the connecting rod. Um, so verse 19, this is something that we've used in churches forever. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't think there's anything crazy Greek there. Uh, on the verse 20, Sally, it goes, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor uh, rust. In that, is that the word for eat? Rustus. No, that's rust. What's the word right moth. next to it? After, Destroys. Uh, right after it goes moth nor rust. Restos. Destroys. Destroys. Okay. Off of needs it. Needs it. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's much bigger than consumes. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's where I was going. But there's not really anything crazy there. There's not going to be a whole lot of weird Greek stuff here, but. Uh, These are kleptide, which is where we get kleptomaniac. There it is. I knew there was something kleptide. cooler. Kleptide. Um, and steel. And see, this verse is, is one that. I feel a certain amount of guilt because we have savings. Is it hitting on that? No. Okay. So I've come, because I'm thinking, oh man. No, I think, I think that's a, yeah. <laughs> I hope not. It somewhere. <laughs> like, are we bad for like storing it back for retirement? Uh, no, you're fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I hope so. I mean, at least I'm, I'm, I'm in big trouble if I'm not. <clears throat> um, the, uh, the idea is um, the things that you own in the first century are to be used for, with others. So why would you just keep everything to you and let other people suffer? Okay. Um, and, and, and then why would you keep treasures like the Romans do mm -hmm. um, when it doesn't affect us or any way, shape, or form? Okay. The hardest part about this is to continue to remember they're trying to survive like every day they could starve to death so don't store up yourselves treasures on earth when you could be giving to someone else who hopefully will be giving to you someday we'll talk about 
this awesome thing Dr. Carter talked to me about specifically. I'll, I'll just, I'll spend just a few seconds. So this treasure thing, uh, there are bakeries. So like we, we have uh, archeological proof that there's these, these little villas of people. And in one building, there would be a, a baker, uh, a bar, uh, a, a potter, you know, uh, and they all worked together. And there was a person that was above them, um, not necessarily really high up, but they had a little bit more food than the others. So let's say you're the baker. Um, each of us in this room would have a little coin that we would give to the baker so that when they were baking the bread, uh, they would put our coin in the bread. And when the bread was done, they would sit it on the shelf. And when our work day was finished, hopefully we had enough money to pay for that bread. But that bread was marked by the little coin. And we, we have found those coins. We know they exist. The part that he's talking about here is kind of this image of uh, you, you shouldn't be getting more coins for more bread when you could be using that bread to feed your neighbor. This is where that love your neighbor as yourself idea comes from. So don't store up for yourselves more of those little coins when you only need this much. Um, and so, and, and if you do that, well, I mean, what, what's the point anyway? Like, oh, so you got a little extra bread? Um, your neighbor died of starvation. Yeah. And it's your fault. Like, and you know, I mean, it's that hardcore. Jesus okay. is not playing. So no, I don't think he's looking at it from our lens and saying, well, you should have savings accounts. Okay. Um, I have had ministers that were hardcore and said, yeah, that's exactly what that means. And I just don't, I can't. I just. But if you give an offering at church, I mean, you're, you're giving something right. yourself, but you're also giving, you know, kind of like from your savings. Sure you are. Because you could have put that in your savings account rather than the offering. That's plan. right. I mean, this is, this is the passage that gets used for stewardship moments more than anything else in the whole Bible, right? Be, that in the 10th language, I think here it's, you shouldn't be keeping your, your wealth to yourself. It needs to be helping others. That's, that's really what's happening here. Because what's, what's it, what good is it doing to collect rest? I mean, you, you could be using it to help someone else. Well, it's still all about the heart. Yeah. If you feel so led to help somebody else, and that's what you need to do. And you've got to have peace within you. Yeah. And how do you Maybe find it peace? Maybe where you love your stuff and you love your money more than you love others. You know, the, you're not even willing Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny we should say this because he says, Dr. Carter says, it's a warning about the heart's commitment. Uh, he said, uh, Plutarch, describes anxious searching for and greedy accumulation of wealth. He attacks the greedy wealthy and who borrow in order to acquire more. The verb, this is where I messed up. The verb treasure or store up denotes both the act of acquiring and the attitude of valuing material goods. Such valuing can mean such and such, um, but this is excessive accumulation meant lack and distress for, for many who were in the urban rural setting of Antioch were deprived of what was needed to survive. So it's just, it's the same conversation. 
my brain is always taking it just a little bit further. Uh -huh. and it comes into that very last sentence. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also or will be also. Yeah. That anything like that that leads you away from God, I mean, that can lead you away from God, that's what it's doing. I mean, you know, this is, I don't know, I'm going to use something terrible here, but I heard it. And it, this is kind of where it hit one time for me. <clears throat> they were, okay, what do you think about more than God? Yeah, when I was going, it's football season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble. Right? But but that's kind of where it hit me. Anything that I think about more than I do God or, you know, what Jesus has asked us to do is, I'm just going to say a temptation, something leading me away from where I should be. Sure. And this only indicates where where I'm headed. That's right. I mean, if I got this treasure over here, you know, that I deem more important than feeding my neighbor, then I'm going the wrong way. You are. I mean, it's your it's, heart is literally collecting dust. Yeah. That's I love that part. Um well, for us here in America, whether we like it or not, technically, by just paying or the taxes it's withheld from your check. Right. <laughs> or the government programs, you're kind of doing some of this, regardless of how we feel about it. Yeah. If it's not in your heart to the giving there's not in your heart, that's not something you've done. There's nothing, nothing that leaves me grumbling. There's this <laughs> we're making the face. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like this, this is this is a this is a hard thing for us in the 21st century especially living in the United States. You know, we've, we've come to a totally different place, which is really hard for us to connect to here. I mean, I'm literally talking about having more than one coin for a loaf of bread to get two loaves of bread instead of the one that you need versus the two that you want. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you get two loaves of bread, maybe you should take that second loaf of bread and feed the, the mom and the two kids in the room right next to you that that she works at the bar and, and, and the kids are having to work, you know, picking up pebbles. Who knows? That's that's kind of where he's going. And that's that's where your heart should be. This is hard for us because in our mind, we will, we have so much. I mean, like, so for us, it's like, well, does that mean, and I, and I, and I don't want to belittle any of our statements, but, you know, this, does this mean like my retirement? Does this mean my savings? Does this mean... Do I not eat Frito chili pies, you know, at Sonic when I can for 99 cents? Not that I'm counting. Um, you know, should I not do those things? And 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 the question is, I don't know. The answer for me would be, I, I don't know, because we're not living in the same world of the first century. I do know that where my heart is, uh, that's where my treasure will be. If I place all of these things in my heart, uh, if I'm not taking care of my neighbor then uh, i got a problem. However, that works. Let's keep going. I mean, we could talk all day long about these because it's just that powerful. He then says, well, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of life. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is you in you, in you is darkness. How great is the darkness? So it's about putting your heart and right attitude. Uh, this this eye and light thing, I, I wanted to spend a, 
very, very, it's a, it's a difficult passage. Um, we, we get kind of a conversation that goes all the way back to Isaiah and Daniel. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the light that Dr. Carter refers to is found in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. Did anybody bring their Jewish study Bible today? Uh, I need uh, somebody to read chapter 42 of Isaiah, verse 6, and chapter 49, verse 6. Forty two verse six. And a forty nine verse six as well. Forty two verse six. I the Lord in my grace have summoned you and have grasped you by the hand. I created you and appointed you a covenant people, a light of nations. Good. So maybe forty nine six. It was too small a thing for you to be my servant. To restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that they may bring my, bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So what Dr. Carter is saying here is, is that this light in you, is, his exact words are, is nothing other than God's salvific, what does he say? God's salvific presence and empire which have come in and on you so when he says this in chapter 12 verse 28 when we get there uh this this light should illumine every part of a disciple's existence when you first read it i was thinking about um if you see bad in everything in people and everything that there is you're going to have that darkness inside you. But if you see light, if you see the good in everybody and everything, then you're going to have the light. <clears throat> and that is what you need to um, give out mm -hmm. is the goodness and focus on is the goodness in everybody. And, you, you know, yourself, you have to look at it. So I, I think that's exactly what and this is why I want to make sure I said that and why I wanted you to read those passages. This is because in Isaiah, it's the same problem. Uh, in chapter 49, I think that's the second Isaiah. There's three sections of Isaiah that we know of. I think that's second Isaiah. And I think in that section, uh, there's the conversation of being um, in, even though we are being um, imprisoned with Assyria, we are now supposed to show that light around to all of our people, which would then make sense why Jesus quotes it as the Roman Empire is beating them down. And not only to our people, it's so that it can be spread to the Gentiles. That's so right. We're not just showing it to our people. And, and so he connects both of those passages here. You know, I always tell you all that Isaiah is the place where Jesus quotes the most that he says this is where God then says not just the Jews but also the Gentiles Isaiah is that passage how does he do that by making you the divine presence of God that people see the light of God in you <laughs> and this is your proof so, see, I can bring you a hamburger when you're fasting. You can bring a hamburger <laughs> if I was supposed to be fasting. Or a Frito chili pie. Or a Frito chili pie. 
When they're 99 cents. When they're 99 cents. <laughs> I refuse to pay more than that. Or deviled eggs. Hey, Josh. Yes. <clears throat> when you read that, I thought, gee, Diesel has one eye that doesn't work at all. So he has a bad eye. They're talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not, just. It's not bad in the sense of it doesn't work. It's bad in the sense of evil. So his, his good eye can do <laughs> That's right. We'll take his good eye. But at first, that's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> Here it is. You're, you're, you're the only light you have is you only show us half uh, happiness, Diesel. Thank you. <laughs> the rest of you is dark. Yeah, it's not true. Well, I, I think that uh, it makes sense that if we go from that, if you are the light of God, then you must have a warning. And he says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. That's, you just take that to the bank. <laughs> Literally. But, I mean, it's, it's true. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, and, and he's saying this, please, guys, I really want you to get this from this. <laughs> I want you to think first century. He's not saying that our wealth makes us bad, right? It's just that you can't serve your wealth. The Romans in the first century, remember, we're talking about this 3% elite class that aren't hungry. And then the 97% of the world that's under the Roman Empire are literally starving. He's like, we serve them so that they get more money. Well, you can't do that and expect to have God as your master. So there's a new a reclaiming of a different empire that Jesus has created. You see how this is starting? In, in chapter 6, he said, when, when I become, for lack of a better phrase for right now, emperor, then you won't have to worry about wealth. You won't have to worry about hunger. You won't have to worry about almsgiving you won't total trust total trust i will take care of all of these things and this is why you have to prepare yourself when my empire comes this is what's going to happen but you can't serve two masters you can't be a servant of god and serve rome at the same time it just doesn't work it's very radical he doesn't say rome because <laughs> he's still got you know 20 what 20 uh 22 verse chapters left to say um before they kill him not that i'm bitter uh some some translations say you can't serve god and mammon that's straight from the greek yeah mammon. Mammon and what, and, yeah, mammon. Mammon. yeah and that would be uh well king james does that do they okay. yeah it's straight king, from the greek king james should say mammon whoever has yeah. that does anybody have a king james in here what version do you have diana Oh, I'll reject, I'll reject the it's on the on the spine. Revised standard version. Huh. Yeah, well, that would make sense because they they went straight from Greek into English. So, uh, so mammon. Yeah, they're, they're same thing. Not the same thing. It's a little bit different. Mine says God and money. Money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mine does too. Well, uh, let's keep going because I I. Uh, I want to keep going as fast as we can. Not really, just. <laughs> uh, 
so if, if I'm not serving two masters, then I, and I've already given you a warning. Jesus's beautiful way of doing this in Matthew is, this, but let's, let's bring it back a little bit. Let's, let's have you not focus in on all the scary things. He then says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even... Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Uh, so that's uh, that's kind of my mantra. That's that's what I live off of. Is this this passage of scripture? I used to, I, I you know, get high blood pressure and ulcers and things of this nature. And I and uh, I, I this is probably one of my. This is the passage of scripture that guides my life. Now I would say that uh, Dr. Carter is establishing in his commentary this. This idea that in God's kingdom, as God's, as, as Dr. Carter would say, as, as Jesus speaking as God's authoritative spokesperson, is telling you that the empire of God, you will not have to worry about those things. Rome will be no more. This, you won't have to worry about what to wear, what to eat, what to drink, because God's empire will be so amazing that you'll never have to worry about it. I think sometimes we should use this passage in funerals uh, um, just because of that. Because when we talk about heaven, right, we, we think about it as being a part of the realm or the kingdom of God. We say the phrase kingdom of heaven for a reason, I think. Um, but that idea, now I... He says that, and the, and he and and the people that hear it would struggle with it just as much as we do, because um, again, they're starving. We starve spiritually and emotionally, so they're they're struggling just as much as we are. What's your first reaction, other than, oh, yeah? <laughs> I can't help but think. Of course, I lived, grew up on a farm. And all winter, I kept thinking about how dry it is, how dry it is. It was so dry. You saw, you saw little ponds go dry, you know, and 
and things like that, and how within three days everything's full again and green and green, yeah, getting greener. And uh, but all winter you just kept looking, and it was just a, an ugly brown. It was ugly to drive down the road and look. Today I was listening to news. I, I try not to overwatch, but I was listening to news and they had the mayor of one of the towns in, in Ukraine that is 90% destroyed. And sometimes reporters, I don't care who they are, just, you know, we, myself, we have to know, you know, when something happens, why or, or whatever, and, and you delve too much into people's emotions. But what the reporter asked him, well, what do you have hope for? What do you have hope? What What's keeping you going? And he said, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. And I thought that's when, you know, easy for me to say, you know, God, you know, God will provide, but 90% destroyed and yeah. And do not worry. Do not worry. Right. How many of us can do that? I really don't worry very much anymore at all. I used to be a worry wart and want to fix everything, misfix it. I want to fix everybody's emotions and, you know, and it just drove me crazy. And then after Sheena lost two babies, we bar I buried two grandchildren. I'm thinking, you know, when she got pregnant with um, Waverly, I thought, you know, I can make myself sick over this and worry every day, mm -hmm. or I can enjoy this pregnancy with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've changed. Mm -hmm. See, I think I think this passage is is uh, overlooked. Mm -hmm. I think we tend to tend to forget about it, and when we, all these things are happening, we have a tendency to. I mean, even if we switched it, right? Let's go back to the first century. Their struggles are exponentially different than ours. And for him to give that word of comfort when there is death and dying all around them, and he's supposed to be the authoritative spokesperson for God, that we they would have the same emotions that we're having right now. I mean, they would have. And, and, and then he goes, it makes total sense then that this is in the Sermon on the Mount story in the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew's job is to create the kingdom of God on earth. Here is the new empire with Jesus as our emperor. Well, God being our emperor, right? But they still haven't figured out who God and Jesus are and where's the Holy Spirit fall in this? So there's still, still a little bit of a struggle. But there's this idea of real earthly concerns with life dying breathing eating you know just the basic visceral aspects of life um, and it's awful that's what i like <clears throat> about 32 the first thing hit me is you said gentiles mine says pagans my brain locked in there <laughs> and, and i didn't follow up or did not read it i had to read it twice what he says is everybody has these problems yes you you have if you follow god you have we have a plan for you that's the idea I mean, you, you don't continue to do this everybody has these issues so yeah we're all children and it's a 
it's a it's again it's another connecting point to all of all of god's creation just out of curiosity sally what do you have in 32 or it is the gentiles um ethne ethne that would be people yes people but referring to foreign people uh foreign to us it's kind of like that woman that i can't think of a-u-e-l yeah 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 she wrote books and said that the people were they 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 only had words for us and them yeah this <laughs> is them. is them this is the uh, i think my professor uh said this is the y'all passage pagans pagans yeah that the, the greek is is but it's fascinating when you hear that because now you hear the editing it's not agendas, but it's the editing ideas. Like, so we got pagans, we got Gentiles, we got uh, everyone, and, and the 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 Greek is like, yeah, this is this is all encompassing. This is everybody that's not us. That's pagan, the idea. Pagan in my mind, so I'm just going to say a bad word. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> you're, from, you're from the wrong side of the railroad tracks here. If you're a pagan, I mean, that's not, right. Like you said, you're not us. You're not yeah. us. That's where we got ethnic. That's what I was thinking. Ethnic. Yeah, ethnic. Well, uh, we have just enough time to, to get to verse 6. So I'm going to start at chapter 7. Um, so where it says, do not worry, it goes into the idea of judging others. Uh, do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you will make, you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. So obviously there has been a, a, a condemnation of sorts going on in the in the community, uh, <laughs> Dr. Carter says, uh, a more restricted translation is necessary, he says. The, the verb, uh, where the verb appears in the scene of final judgment. Uh, he said, this suggests that the judgment prohibited by the four uses of the verb judge in verses one and two. Well, that would make sense then, because it's eschatological judgment. Okay. Uh, disciples must not usurp God's role and decide someone's future destiny. Such writing off of a person is prohibited, not only because it lacks mercy or compassion, but because only the all-seeing and all-knowing God can exercise that role. That's pretty stinking awesome. <laughs> uh, and and the and so this this language is stuff that they would have had it was no you've got specks in your own eye how can you see the logs and others you know he is without sin pick up the first stone yeah yeah and, and that's uh i think that's luke's language but it's the same idea you know uh and and it would have happened it would have happened especially for the non-elites right everybody was vying for power uh except for the non-elites they were just trying to survive so uh, don't be like them. Don't be like the hypocrites, the Sanhedrin, right? They're, they're trying to look good and make point fingers. You all need to take care of each other while that's happening. Don't worry about them. 
jury of your peers. The jury of your peers. So doesn't that make us somewhat judging if we were in that jury position? So in the first century, there was not, there was a judicial system, but there would not have been a jury of peers. You would have had a judge, uh, there, there would have been lawyers, um, but only people that had money could afford them. So there wasn't a public defender. Uh, so they didn't have a jury of peers. So one person made the decision for everyone. And what Jesus is talking about here is, is you really shouldn't do that. Because um, whatever you do and issue as is a punishment, God's going to heap onto you. Um, that's God's job. Uh, basically, the way that I've heard it interpreted uh, is, is the idea that our journey individually is hard enough. Why would you want somebody else to make it more complicated? which is super hard. The jury of appears actually historically though comes from Christian bases ideas. Um, but that's another conversation. So how do we as a religious society, and I'm speaking specifically of different churches because I, I gave you a book and I don't remember I'll just say it was a disciples book. I don't remember which one who what congregation it was from or what entity it was from. But it had all of these, this is how you kick people out of the church because uh -huh. they're not good. Yep. I mean, here's the rules. This is how you do it. Yep. I mean, you know, there was a whole list of, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. of things. And Biblical. to me, that just goes completely. And even other places in the Bible, you know, it, it talks about judging, uh -huh. judging other members. Well, it's funny. I hope that wasn't a disciple. Uh, no, no, yeah. it was a disciple church that wrote it. Yeah, so they should be out. Yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> uh, all I'm, I just remember the book, and I was just shocked because it was a whole. Okay, this is who you can let in. This is who you can get rid of. This is how you do it. And I mean, it just. Yeah, like I said, you can find where it says the judge, in other places in the Bible, but that this is where, this is where I lock into it when I hear judge. This is what I think of. Yeah. yeah, don't do it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and and this and this uh, I want to go back to the idea again that in Matthew, uh, he doesn't know about the other books. The only one he might know of is, is Mark, and he's heard of Luke, but not necessarily put a lot of connection to him. So he he may have heard from the letters of Paul, um, but most likely not. Um, and he might have. I mean, there's there's evidence that you might have known some of these things but the the struggle that we have is this matthew's not talking about uh us judging each other he's using it as an example of the sanhedrin being hypocrites again and and it's hard because he's he's trying to say don't be like them but they're your religious leaders <laughs> um yeah i think all the churches evolved to that point yeah somewhere i mean no, we do. Historically, that's who's in, who's out, who gets to be a part of our church, who doesn't. Well, I was going to say, even in Matthew later on, it talks about if there's conflict in your church, the steps should, that should be taken to be resolved. That's right. I was just getting ready to say that because there's, he says this, but then later on in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, oh, but by the way, since you're humans and you're going to fight, these are the things that you should do so that you don't have to judge 
one another. It's a it's a interesting way. It's very uh, Hebrew Bible esque uh, the way that he writes that. Uh, I want to get to uh, through profaning the holy. That's one verse. Uh, do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, uh, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Listen, the reason I wanted you to hear this is uh, specifically uh, that this is um, just a historical reference of holy comes from the passages of Exodus 29 and Leviticus 2, uh, but do not give what is holy to the dogs. The term dogs uh, is widely used to express the hostility and contempt for opponents. The dogs will not receive correction. This is the first of the two uh, negative animal in images in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, so do not throw your pearls before swine. Now, the only thing he didn't put here, which I think is interesting, uh, this is the neg second negative one, you know, swine becoming negative. Uh, the, and I'm really kind of shocked you didn't put it here. I wonder if you put it in this one. He did not. Uh, so there was a uh, Roman legion that their mascot was a dog and a Roman legion that was a pig. Uh, and do not throw your stuff in front of them or they'll trample it underfoot. So uh, I think that one could make the case historically I think if I was back in his class and I had to write another paper on this being a, this would be a good example. Um, and they, and Matthew is historically awesome in the sense that he does that throughout the whole thing. Like he'll, he'll throw in animals that represent Roman legions um, and use it in a negative way. And he's really good at it, but um, it's why it's only one verse. Mine doesn't say dogs. It doesn't say dogs. What does your say? People who are unholy. People who are unholy. Uh, what does it say in Greek? Cousine. And I couldn't find that in the lexicon, so I don't know what Cousine. it is. Cousine. K U Kappa Upsilon Sigma. Interesting. I wrote this down. It's been a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not quite sure it makes sense to me now. I'm trying to figure it out, but it must have. I must have really been curious about it before. How can we remain humble, non-judgmental, and not appear self-superior to determine those that we are dealing with are dogs and swine? Or is the story referring back to verses three, four, and five? Is it reflecting our efforts to correct and control others by pouring out our things and that they aren't ready for that? For our good intentions, or will it just anger them and turn them away? You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's really cool. Or is it if we condemn them and is it just going to completely turn them off and we don't ever have a chance of winning their souls, you know, bringing them close to God? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I I think you could use that as a, a as a guiding reference. I could see it definitely for us today. That would definitely make sense. It's such a hard. I I never want ever make someone think that i'm superior no and i think that is definitely what he's saying okay i cannot make myself more superior than another only god is superior overall okay. humans. like that's a definite i could i could see where you came with that i, I okay. would i would back that up okay in this time frame there were 
dogs were not household pets. No, no, no they were no. nuisance, just like children. And only, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe in the field with a, with a sheep mm -hmm. would be the only time that they would, that would be a, a working dog. Mm -hmm. The dogs were not the beloved pet peanuts no. pets that we have now. And yep. so the the connotation of the dogs was the dogs would steal their food. That's they right. hang their food outside to, at night to 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 I mean to dry or whatever they had meat up. Dogs would steal the <coughs> dogs were not a revered animal in no. that time frame. Well, it's why thought pigs being they they are vicious. Well, yeah, but, but I could see that dogs being back with the Romans uh, a war animal. Yeah, I was I, just going to say the dogs in the Rome's world could be pets. Yeah. The people in the streets would not. I mean, they they revered them. They have them in tiles, uh, Byzantine mosaic art. Uh, they have statues of dogs, war animals. I mean, they Romulus and Remus uh, are wolves. You know, it's so like for them, this is like I said. I think we could make the argument here that he is saying, uh, "Do not give what is holy to them." You know, those even people. Well, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and stop because we are now at this exactly an hour, uh, and. Uh, let's stop the recording.